streaming live soon. Oh yeah, born ready. It's out of season, that's exactly right. Please stand by, we'll be streaming live soon. Amen. Okay, we got a problem with the cameras. <laughs> Half of my head is on, on the roof. Let's take a look. That's lower, lower, lower. 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 You're going up. Okay, right there. Right there. But you got to stop. Just, that's that's good. good. I think it's good. Okay. I think it is. Good morning. I hope I didn't offend you or perhaps scared you to see my head move in the screen. But that's the way cookie crumbles when, when we're at uh, preaching the Word of God. Now and then the equipment doesn't work, and that's okay. Let's have a prayer to begin this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the goodness and the kindness of your presence with us. We thank you, Lord, that as we look at what has happened to this great prophet of yours, Prophet Elijah, that we learn from his learning, we learn from his doing, we learn from the things that occurred between chapter 17 and 22 of 1 Kings. God, your word teaches abundantly. It disciples us to do things we never done before. And most of all, it helps us to understand your perfect will. And Lord, I, I confess to you this morning that it's very simple. Have no other gods before him is, is really what it's all about on these five chapters. So, Lord, we begin this morning praying for our mission in Brazil, praying for what's happening there, God, praying for the goodness and the kindness of your Holy Spirit as we teach you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning to you. Chapter 17 of 1 Kings is the beginning and the entrance of Elijah into a great affair of war and death and a lot of blood spilled. And so I want to look at pieces of 17, chapter 17 of 1 Kings all the way to 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 and look at small pieces and, and share with you what God is trying to get through. What is in the mind of God as to what pertains to what's going on specifically. And so, uh, let me do that. Elijah was a Tishbite, means he's a inhabitant of uh, Gilead. And of course, he's one of the great prophets of the Lord. The situation in the land of Israel was in, in, in terrible despair. They were worshiping other gods. God of Baal, Ashtoreths, which are pole, wooden poles that are carved and describing their God. And the God here that they're trying to worship is the God of rain, the God of the sun, the God of the clouds. 
instead of the God of the universe, the Creator. And so, God told Elijah to do this. Send to Ahab. The Lord God of Israel lives, whom before I stand, and there shall now be there shall not be do nor rain these years according to my word. That was the word that came from heaven. And of course, this is the beginning of God's great plan to bring water upon Israel, but also convict them of what they've been doing. You see, the initiator of the movement and the will of God into the land of Israel is by a prophet. And he simply says, it's not going to be due nor rain until I say so. Now, chapter 17 then begins with Elijah being taken into a small little ravine uh, 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 out of Jordan, close to the lake of Gebelos, south of the lake of Galilee. And for a period of three years, there had been no rain. And Elijah stayed there being ministered uh, by havens and, and, of course, drinking water that God had provided. Water, uh, bread, and, of course, in meat. These birds brought it, brought it to, uh, not the water, but the, the meat and the bread was brought morning and afternoon and evening. It's a time in the life of a prophet where he has sustainment. He is provided for. But he is not within the will of God yet. You see, when God wants to use you, He will test you. He will put you in a position where only Him can do for you and nobody can. And uh, I have an interesting story about that. This ministry, this small little ministry you see here, uh, the green screen, and of course uh, Andy here. Andy was with us for a period of a, of a year, teaching now and then. I had no idea of the skills and who Andy Hines was in terms of computers. Well, John Dunn decided to move into another ministry and, and prepare for the, the will of God in his life. And suddenly, I had nobody to run all of these cameras in this large studio where I'm in. And of course, what really happens is that Andy spoke up and said, I can do this. And of course, for the period of the last year, he's been doing it, and doing actually better than anybody else. You see, God was preparing me for what He wanted to do. I didn't know what the future was. I didn't know what He was going to do. But I knew that as, as, as I was left alone in this office, the Lord had a plan and had a, a will. Now, after Elijah stays at that little ravine, that little brook, for a period of three years, two and a half years, God told him to go to Zarephath. Now, Zarephath is a, is a, is a trade where the ships will come in below Sidon, right there on the Mediterranean Sea. It's a little little village there, Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon. Was, uh, uh, and there he met a woman that had not 
at all food whatsoever left over. And God taught Elijah how to speak food and oil and wheat into the jar so, so, so she couldn't make a cake. Not only she would eat some, Elijah would eat some. And God provided the abundance of all that Elijah needed in terms of food. Now, remember now, he, he was fed by ravens. And suddenly, he is now being fed by a woman. Notice that instead of birds, birds, God provided a widower that had a son. By the way, the son dies, and Elijah takes him back to his room and lays on top of him, and the boy becomes alive again and is resuscitated from death. So, the events that take place between Zarephath and the Kerith Ravine are miraculous events. What does that mean? It means that as you begin to serve the Lord, now and then He heals somebody completely. In other words, a healing at times is not just the benefit of the person that is sick, but for the person that is praying. And a miracle of that, of that kind brought Elijah the prophet to now take seriously that there's something that God wants to do in his life. You see, so miracles in the New Testament uh, shared with Jesus what he really needed to do and where he needed to go in order to speak the kingdom in Capernaum especially where nobody believed in him, including his family. And so, you begin to realize that uh, as this boy comes alive, and he stretched himself upon the child three times, and cried, out, cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray you, let this child so come, come into him again. What a great miracle performed by the mouth of Elijah, who healed who performed the miracle God did, who uh, called him to being the voice of the prophet. And so, the next thing that happens, it's on verse 18, chapter, verse 18, chapter, verse 1. It came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came into Elijah in the third year of the drought. Notice that God is counting the days of the drought. Now it's third year. And he calls his prophet and says, Show yourself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. Show yourself upon unto Ahab, and I'll bring water upon the earth. So now there's a third engagement. First the ravine. The birds feeding you bread uh, and, and meat. Second, the resurrection of a little boy the provision for the family of food. And now suddenly, God speaks to the prophet. So I want you to see that a miracle is, is, moves forward into, it's a signal. It's an idea that God is in charge and has a plan. A miracle is a performing move of the Holy Spirit that ushers greater things. It's not something that happens and everybody forgets about it and that's it. No, sir. A miracle 
When God performs a miracle, it's 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 like a it's like a, you know fireworks. When it begins, fireworks in the fourth of fourth of July, and you're sitting on your back of your truck looking to the sky, it begins with one big old flash, pow, and the star goes everywhere, and it just moves so beautifully. Well, it's like the Lord. The first one is an indication that there's a lot more to come. And you have to sort of sit back and see what He is doing and how He is doing it and why He is doing it. Because God has a plan. The Lord has had a plan when He called Elijah out of, the, out, of, out of Gilead. He doesn't make a plan after He arrived. The plan was done when He arrived. Same thing with you. The plan of God for your life is completely done. The question now is to allow you to be a partaker of that and to hear and to learn how to see, how to apply, how to be together. And if you be patient enough, there will be a lot of stars and a lot of movements in the realms of the Spirit of God all over the earth. Now, And so, as the Lord God lives, there is no nation or kingdom whither my Lord has not sent to seek you. And when they said, He is not there, He took an oath of the kingdom and the nation, and they found you not. In other words, Elijah wanted to find... uh, Ahab was looking for Elijah in a very terrible way. He needed to find this man. Notice that instead of wanting that... He needed to seek God. And the Lord would tell him, Ahab, here's what you need to change. This is what you need to do. When you, when you begin to try to find the prophet, instead of the one who runs the prophet, you always make a mistake. People think that because I pray for somebody, they were healed, that I could be praying for you also. Not really. You seek the Lord, and the Lord will tell me where to go and who to pray for, not you. So, it's, a, it's an interesting thing that's happening here. And of course, the man that is talking to, to, to Elijah here is a, a one, it's a man called Obadiah. Obadiah is an interesting character. He works in the palace of Ahab, but he serves God Almighty. He does what Ahab tells him to do, the evil king, Ahab, but at the same time, he knows that God of Israel, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, is His provision. It's a mental state of righteousness. It's a mental state of goodness and kindness. You need to know who's doing it, what is doing it. In other words, you need to know who's in charge every time there's an explosion. Every time there is a Fourth of July experience, God has plans for your life, and what to do. I had a call from a man that I desire and appreciate so much. He is in charge of one of the most powerful ministries in the globe. And I told him to join us in Atlanta at Rekindle the Flame with his ministry, and God would provide everything he needs. And of course, the people from his ministry, uh, it's not really receiving it. But I want you to know that, uh, that as they receive, God will bless them abundantly. 
and multiply their numbers in the thousands. And so, after finding Ahab, in case you pass one, Ahab saw Elijah. He simply said, Are you he who troubles Israel? Yes. In other words, I'm the one who God uses to tell you something. There will be no rain and until I, my word. And so Ahab sent out the children of Israel, gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And the number totally was about 850. 400 were supporters by, supported by Jezebel. And Elijah simply put a point into question. Let's go get to Mount Carmel. And you build, we build this altar with a trench of water uh, uh, around, get a bull, quarter the bull, put on the altar, call upon your God to send fire. And the Ahab people of Baal, the Baal worshippers, the Sodomites, they cried half of the night asking God, asking the God of Baal to come in and burn the sacrifice. Nothing happened. They cut themselves with knives asking that the God of Baal would come and, and, and take the sacrifice. Nothing happened. When that didn't work, Elijah put a trench around the altar, put wood on the, on the, on, on the altar, put the twelve stones of, of the twelve tribes of Israel on the altar, put the quarter animals, bulls in the altar, and began to say, God, in order to prove to all of the people that are here, because at that time, Israel is all in Mount Carmel. Thousands and thousands of people cover that mountain. And anywhere from where you are, you could see the fire. Remember, when you are in Florida, and you want to see a large ship rises from the ground up and go into the atmosphere, a rocket, you can see at the bottom the powerful fire and the thrust of engines burning fuel to elevate that, that powerful craft into the sky. You could see from far away the fire at the bottom. The same thing with Mount Carmel. You couldn't see the actual sight but you could look to heaven and see the fire that came from heaven. And it consumed every bit of it. Licked the water, the wood, the, 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 the trenches. It licked, it licked the stones. It licked the, the animal that was quartered. It was a total cleanup. And God then gave Elijah the power to take them into Mount Carmel below and slaughter 400 men. Now, by now you probably wonder, it's over. There's no more battle. There's nothing that we need to do. But not really. You see, I told you that when the fireworks begin, one bust of fireworks on the heavens, and 5, 10, 15 at the same time, doesn't actually identify and finish the scenario and, and festivities on 4th of July spiritual. So what happens? Rain now is about to come. And so, Elijah 
said unto Ahab. Now listen, Ahab is the king of Israel. He saw what God did. He saw the fire from heaven. And so Elijah says to him, Get up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. It's going to rain. And Ahab went up and eat and drink, and Elijah went to top of Mount Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth, put his face between his knees, and said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked, and there's nothing. And it came to pass on the seventh time there was the size of a hand, a little cloud. And Ahab and, and Elijah said to Ahab, Prepare your chariots, get down, for the rain is coming, and it's heavy rain. And it came to pass, and meanwhile, that the heavens was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. Now the rain here is a symbol that God worships, God loves His worshipers. God loves the praises of His people. God loves righteousness and holiness. And when that is accomplished, that is implemented in the kingdom of God. Now you probably say, Rick, what can I do in my church to change the scenario of the way we are? Our offerings are not going to be any good. It's just enough to pay the bills. Not many people are responding to the message. There's something wrong. You need the rain. Now, how does the rain come financially, spiritually, psychologically, mentally? Is rain comes when you repent of your sins. Forgiveness and repentance is critical in the life of the church. I never seen a church that has a financial status that that is worthy of the Lord that do not ask for forgiveness and repentance during the morning service. The prayer needs to be for repentance. We need to bring we need to come in the presence of the Lord every Sunday and ask him forgiveness for what we have done and undone. And so this, this is reason, the reason why the rain came back. It pleased the Lord. And of course, Elijah flees. Elijah comes down. And, and suddenly, when upon hearing what God had done in the life of Elijah, Jezebel says, Tomorrow I'll make your life as miserable as the ones you killed at Mount Carmel. Now, she shouldn't have said that. Because Elijah had nothing to do with it. You see, you need to make sure you don't personify the blessings that you are part of it just because you think you're the cause that, that, that something is happening. We're not the cause. We're recipients of the move of God, not the ones who caused it. God is in charge. He does it, not us. And of course, if you look at, uh, at chapter 19... Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And she threatens the prophet of God. That was a wrong thing to do. She threatens the, the men of God. And when he saw that, he rose and went to his life, came back, came to Beersheba, which belongs to, to Judah, left his servants there. And Elijah runs. 
Now, he runs close to uh, 250 miles to Jezreel, to the end of Jezreel Valley, close to Jerusalem. Along, along, along the path of uh, the place where the Armageddon was took place, that's Jezreel Valley. And uh, he runs for 250 miles all the way, all the way down to Mount Horeb, which is close to Mount Sinai. The bread that the angel gave him and the water that the angel gave Elijah was supernaturally gifted of God. Oh, oh, what a wonderful thing. And of course, he's hiding, he's running, he's afraid. But the Lord spoke him to a small voice and came to him in that cave he's hiding at Mount Horeb. And then the Lord said, Go return on your way unto the wilderness of Damascus. And when you come, anoint Hazel to be king of Syria and anoint Elisha. And of course, that is almost the end of the ministry of Elijah, not until a little bit later. God calls Elisha. Elisha was working uh, 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 12 oxen and, and working the, the yoke. And he boiled and killed the, the, the animals, the oxen, gave a big feast and left to follow Elijah. What a beautiful sight. I love to be in there to just get a little piece of that uh, oxen, fire-branded Holy Spirit food, and turn around and get a jacket and move toward Elisha. What a wonderful thing. Now, when you think that everything is over, things begin again. Because Ben-Hadad beseeches Samaria. Tomorrow we will take a look at this. Because it's a very important move. Ben-Hadad is the king, the Syrian king. And he comes and takes Samaria. Well, Samaria is really the place to where Ahab has his office. And that is not of the Lord. Let me pray with you. Father, Heavenly Father, I thank you this, this morning. That throughout all of these studies that we've had to hear, you have spoken to us powerfully how you organize and how you orchestrate a move of God that clears and identifies your presence. And Lord, I know that we're going toward a battle that should never take place. For Ben-Hadad lost it 127,000 men in one afternoon. He should not ever take in Samaria and beseeched it and, and stopped the traffic of food for the children and the milk for the children. Lord, I just ask you to teach us how you can avoid a situation like that. I pray, God, that this morning, those of you who listen to RBM at 9 o'clock every morning will take this message to your spirit realm and apply it to your life, to your soul in order that the Lord be manifested and blessed. In Jesus' name, amen.
Senhor, eu vejo o mundo triste, atribulado pela ação de Satanás. 